Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. stop singing please can he do what i want and stop singing he's a god isn't he i mean steve harley on top of the pops in his little fur jacket oh dear his mullet oh my god yeah oh my god indeed and not in a good way oh i was so in love with steve harley another one yeah you you you're quite free with your love aren't you but but to coin neck, I do get texts from famous men, and this week I got a text from Steve Harley. Got a text. Come up and see me. I get lots of texts from Brian May of Queen. I love Brian May. Mamma mia, mamma mia. Let me go. Let me go. <laughs> but the only thing Brian May texts me about is badgers. 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 Is this a double entendre? No, badgers. Not beavers. Badgers. Not beavers, not badgers. He so, does a lot of work for badgers, though, doesn't he? He's fantastic. I love Brian I May. Really I really I love Brian May. I love his hair. I just love him. He's just a nice, smiley chap, isn't Clever. he? Clever. Rich. You took my mum to meet Brian May, didn't I you? I did, and she, she kissed him. Um, Your sure mum kissed Brian May, and she got a mouthful of hair. Well, I suppose you would, wouldn't you, if you aimed at the wrong place? No, she's never forgotten that. She wrapped herself around Brian May. I'm surprised you peeled her off. She got a selfie. She's still got it. Then Brian May started talking to me about badgers. Badgers. So the word of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Badgers. It's badgers. Not beavers, but badgers. And it's also Steve Harley who sent me a text. Got a text. I got a text. What did he want? Come up and see me. Did, was make it me smile? No, that, I'm sorry. Want. That should be. I'll make you smile. It's not much of an invitation. Make me smile. You, I'll make you I'd smile. I'd make him smile. Oh, tag him in. Tag him in. Oh, tag him in. You slapper. Tag him in. Ta- you want everyone tagged in that you, you're flirting with on the podcast? Tinder. Yeah. So you just come out on it. More can hark it. Oh, cheapos. Steve Hart. Oh, tag him in. I mean, I'd tag Tom Cruise in so he was fully aware <laughs> that I was not interested. willing and able. But I doubt Tom Cruise is not interested. He's not going to listen to our podcast, is it? What if we rename the podcast like um, Aeroplane Maneuvers? Tom Cruise Fan Club. No, he wouldn't probably listen to that. What bit. about Scientology Today? Yes, something that he'll listen to. And then he'll get to hear or my little voice. we hate Katie Holmes. 
about that? I think he's like a nice guy. He probably, I think maybe something to do with fast-moving jets. Badgers? I'd be his fast-moving jet. Ja- badgers? Badgers or beavers, where Tom Cruise is concerned. Boom, boom. So do you want to hear about my text from a famous person tell, tell that me. isn't about badgers? Yes, and, and, and not coming up to see him, I presume. Or on are s- you? On Saturday night, late, I got a WhatsApp message. Hello, Liz. He knows my name! <laughs> God, help. Help. It's worse than the singing. So this is, the, this is the text. 50 years ago today. Oh, my God. No one should ever start a text with that. Your brother, Nick played in an early Cockney Rebel show at the Roundhouse in Camden. Time passes. Stay well, Steve H. Stay what does stay well, well mean? What does stay, stay well mean? What, what if you're not well? What if you're, if, you're, if you're... Stay well. What does that mean? Well, I suppose it well, I don't know. It's, not, it's not the same you as see, love. See, the trouble is when someone sends you a text, you always try and read between the lines, don't you? Or you could just read what the text says and take it at face value. There wasn't an X. There wasn't an X. My reply, there was an X. No, but he's not arrogant because he puts Steve H. He doesn't assume you'll know who he is. That's he, not arrogant. He could have just signed it Rock God. Rock God. It's not yeah. Elvis, is it? It's not, it's not like... He's better no. than Elvis. Oh, I don't like Elvis. Sharp. Go on, what did you say then? My brother Nick has been dead for 11 years. He would have been in his early 20s when he played that gig in Camden. Steve Harley once told me my brother had a nickname in the band, Shoegazer, because my brother would play guitar on stage without once looking up at the audience. Nick was painfully shy. He didn't even tell anyone when he got married. He became a recluse in his final years. Nick wanted to be a writer, but he couldn't get anything published. He was too belligerent to remain in a band for long. At his funeral, a friend who first met Nick at Essex University described him as crazy, angry, but hugely articulate. No wonder my brother was expelled. As a child, I used to dread Sunday lunch. My mum would have been in the kitchen for hours, face red from the steam. I was always dispatched to the veg patch to pick leaves for the mint sauce. But the meal she slaved over for hours was always ruined as Nick and my other two brothers would be arguing with my dad. He was a man who had fought the Nazis. have heard that before, haven't I? Just just a few times. He was always smartly dressed in pressed chinos, an ironed viola shirt, a polka dot cravat. And his sons, whom he referred to as long-haired layabouts, enraged him. My brothers were often mean to me too. They would fly into a rage if I touched the spools on their tape machines or didn't know the difference between Bob Dylan and Donovan. Although in a rare moment of altruism, given he was obsessed with bark, Nick bought me my first LP, The Monkeys. I love The Monkeys. Oh, Davy Jones. Davy Jones with his little beads. No, that was sweet. He was sweet. I'll give you that. My brother only mellowed with age. When I was living in a slum clearance area in Brixton and I woke to find someone had tried to jimmy open a front window, Nick came and slept on the floor each night in case they returned. At his funeral, a former bandmate told me that when our dad died, Nick sold his last guitar so that he could chip in to the cost of the coffin. Nick was so handsome that he had a succession of beautiful girlfriends who inevitably lived in Hampstead mansions. Each time a relationship broke up, he'd be homeless again. 
He never had children, but he was very close to our nephew, who was named after him. He would write long, funny letters to Little Nick, who dreamed of being a film director when he grew up. Little Nick died aged 21 before he could make it. We only get to hear about the people who are successful. We can't read an unpublished manuscript. I still have Nick's novel in my wardrobe. Or hear an unreleased record. I've been kept buoyant these past 10, 11 years by the hope I will one day make it and become a success. But more often than all those stories you hear about how it took years to get Mamma Mia off the ground, it's the fact nothing happens and then we die to be buried, like Nick, in a cardboard coffin. Nick had hopes and dreams of becoming a rock star, but they died long before he did. No one makes a pilgrimage to my brother's graveside in an echo cemetery in Essex. Most of the writers I started out my career with have fallen by the wayside. They gave up and became mums or retrained as Reiki healers or breath gurus or relationship counsellors. Nick never tried to do anything other than music and writing. He wouldn't even teach music as he felt that would be beneath him. I got a meeting with another publisher on Tuesday about my new novel. I'm going to give it one last push. I know she wants to soften the sex and the ending. And as someone who is precious about even an ellipsis being changed into a full stop, I will swallow my pride and I will do whatever it takes. I've decided to dedicate the new book to my brother. At least then he won't be completely forgotten. Poor Nick. Do you know, it's... It says something, though, doesn't it, that he loved his music so much that that's all he wanted to do. He didn't compromise. No. That's very brave. I mean, he wouldn't teach it. I mean, he was obsessed with Bach. And another person at his funeral, which I didn't put in the column because I've only got 700 words, he told me that Nick fell out with him, this friend who was at Essex University with him, because the friend played Bach at the wrong volume. The wrong volume? And Nick couldn't cope with it and he broke up with him. What's, I, I wonder what, how you determine what the right volume is. But you just knew. That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, that's dedication. But for every Steve Crazy. Harley in his beautiful coat, with his beautiful face, with his beautiful hair, there's a million failures. But we don't yeah. know about the failures because you only hear about the successes, don't you? You only yeah. hear, well, I kept going and then I geared and then I became Ed Sheeran. You don't hear about all the other boys, like my little Nick, my nephew, who wanted to be a film director. He just died. He died. And I think that's the good thing about things now like TikTok and Twitter and Facebook. You get these artists and they might not make the big time, but they're, they're talented and they're really good and people do know who they are. It might be a smaller following, but it's easier now to get some recognition than it was when Nick was doing it, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, he was very old school. And I remember he, he played with Julie Felix, who was a, a folk musician. I remember at home, because we lived in Essex, Nick came back one night and he said, oh, I've just heard this really amazing person playing in a club near Chelmsford, and it was Paul Simon. Wow. Shall I sing Bridge Over Troubled Water? Shall you not sing Bridge Over Troubled Water? Shall I sing Bridge... Oh, my God. Are you going to desecrate Bridge Over Troubled Water? I read the Paul Simon biography when I was in Spain and I've watched a documentary about Paul Simon on BBC called Harmonies or something and it's about how he wrote Bridge Over Troubled Water. That's quite a special song to me, actually. 
bridge over troubled water because my friend did her A-level music and I had to sing with her to accompany it. She played the instrument, but she wanted someone to sing it, so that was a nice little memory. Yes, I would, if I could. Oh, my God. You killed my memory. I'd go out with Paul Simon. He might be short. He might be short. There's nothing wrong with short. David Jones was short. Prince was short. Maybe I've got a thing for short men. Yeah, no. Little things come in good packages. Steve Harley Harley is normal size. Is he normal size? Yeah. (laughs) What's normal size? Just perfect. See, I like about six foot two. I don't know why, because I'm only five foot two. I think I just find them useful for getting things off shelves and stuff. But this sort of coincides with there's a brand new series on Netflix called How to Build a Sex Room. You have you got, seen that? No, you're not doing that. I'm not getting the drill out building you a sex room. I'm not doing it. Did you know that people have spanking benches? Apparently so. Apparently so. Not me. But anyway, my heroine who I love dearly, Judy Birchall, she wrote a very good piece in Unheard, and I'm just going to quote from it because she's more eloquent about this than I am. And she says, Watching yet another couple gag each other prior to a good flogging, otherwise known as impact play. So you're learning things. I'm, I'm literally... I, I'd rather impact. Just... So you go out tonight no. and you say, Martin, Mark, stop drinking. Mark? Impact play. No, I'm much more likely to say, let's go for a Chinese and a beer. <laughs> no, no impact play. So this is Julie. I reflected that, far from being a bit of fun, such antics may express sublimated resentment between non-married couples. I don't agree with that, actually. Isn't gagging what he longs to do when he tells the same story for the nth time? Well, that's true. You do want to shut them up. It is true. Isn't flogging what she wants to do when he swipes the remote control or says, didn't you buy any white pepper? Yeah. Yeah. No, flogging comes into it, but not in a sexual way. So this is Julie again. I couldn't help thinking of the day these couples break up and argue over their sex room contents in a small claims court. I suppose it shows how far we've come Uh (laughs) that no one will think that any of these couples is immoral. These, it's true, actually. These days, ninnies reserve such judgments for bad people like Boris Johnson, who they chargelessly say, oh, he's been cheating. At least the subject of the woman who builds a sex rooms, who's called Rose, are trying their very hardest, going to extreme lengths, to remain monogamous. No, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have a little affair than that. No. But they are certainly misguided to ignore the simple truth that when you're in the first flush of horniness, every room is a sex room. And when the thriller's gone, no room is, no matter how much money you spend on your high-end consolation prize. Honestly, I don't get it. Sexiest moment in my life, didn't need a sex room. They're all very cliched as well. Yeah was when David put a thumb on my thigh because I wore cut-off denim shorts in a pub in Brixton. And that's as far as it went. That's the sexiest moment of my life. I don't think think genuine sexy moments have to be overtly sexual. No. I really don't. It's just a moment or a look, isn't it, it? when you catch someone's eye across a party and they've got a little party ponytail. It's that look. Do you know what the party ponytail was? What was the party ponytail? Well, the party ponytail, and this is very early 80s, they had a corporate job, but they had a ponytail, so at the weekends they could let the hair down. That's awful. 
It's not, it's true. If I went on a it's date true. with a man with a party ponytail. He had a party ponytail. Out would come the scissors. So I looked at the party ponytail and I thought, ding dong. Right, I've got a question then. You, while you're in educating mode, I've got a question. Miss, I like it rough. <laughs> what I want to know, this is what I've always thought, is how do you know that you're going to like... So I know a bloke likes his willy shut in a letterbox or something. You don't accidentally shut your willy in a letterbox to find out you like it. How do you find out these things? How do you know? I've never done it rough to the man, but I wouldn't know. See, that is appeal far more to me. Just <laughs> whack. <laughs> Pick the knickers up I off just, the floor. Do you know whack. what I do? Go on. I just block them. Block I them. block them and then I block them again because yeah. they're chippy. They're chippy. So you've had quite a traumatic week this week, haven't it, you, it, it has been, actually. I ended up two nights ago having to get an ambulance for poor mummy, mummy Beb. Um, she she got some heart um, chest pains and she, of course mum mum did her usual i'm fine i'm fine don't worry about it and don't I'm call like, an ambulance i'm like don't call an ambulance and i'm already on the phones you know and that, god my god they ask so many questions but the rumor is that ambulances take 12 hours to arrive how no, long was that no it was about 15 minutes i have to say they were absolutely brilliant they the first responder came um within about 10 minutes really nice man and actually he was a guy that was a volunteer that had had a heart attack himself years ago, and he was army, so he had a heart attack during a spin class and then finished his spin class. So that's army boys for you. And he you came didn't first. You chat him up, did you? No, he was, he, was, he was past army boy stage, so he was safe. He went into the safe zone. And then two lovely girls came, and mum had um, a... They found a block in, in on the left side, and apparently the left side of the heart is the bit that pumps the blood around the body. So it's more serious than the left, than the right side. So then we had the battle of getting mum to the hospital. Well, I'm fine. I'm going home to me cat. And you know, so, ah, no, you're not. So I packed her off, sorted the cat out for her, took my dogs home, met her at the hospital. Paramedics were amazing. But I learned a lot that night, apart from being worried sick about my mum, um, who is now home and fine. Um, I learned, stop smoking. I learned a lot. Yeah, well, I work on that one, but I haven't managed it for the last fifty years. And what they're doing is they're they're putting ambulances outside with people in waiting to be seen, and they're stuck there until they can get them in to be seen. So all these ambulances that aren't getting anywhere to people are stuck outside hospitals. But were you stuck in. outside the hospital? No, the girls were really really good. They managed to they kept her outside for a little while and to get her seen quickly. They put her in a wheelchair and they took her in and, and checked her in themselves. They they were really lovely girls. But it just sort of makes me think if we'd have been sitting there and if mum had been having a heart attack, which I really thought she was when I phoned the, the hospital under the ambulance. It's just stuck outside the hospital with a patient in and and so we went in I found mum, she, she was very sort of, this A&E, it was incredibly busy, it was three hours to be triaged, it was nine hours to see a doctor, it was absolutely unbelievable, we were there all night. But people think the British are sort of not very friendly or, you know, not very communicative. Absolute tosh, the A&E was filled with people, all different people, and we had one boisterous, very good looking fella behind us, and by, within about ten minutes, 
everyone was talking and joining in everybody was chatting it was such a good atmosphere and people were in there they're in pain they're fed up they've been in there 12 hours already all chatting and having a laugh and the thing was that it's painfully you can see there are no staff and all the girls that were on were laughing and chatty and good humored the doctor was real crumpy i mean that cheered me up no end and you just think it's not them it's the system they get so much criticism it's the system there's nothing they can do and it was a noticeable difference when you had the change over to the day where there was more staff things just moved through really smoothly the waiting room started clearing and i've got did to anyone applaud. did anyone look like george clooney no one looked like george Clooney. but the the young doctor i'll tell you what i wouldn't say no i was practically about to faint just to pretend to have something to have, have myself examined. I was. But all this trash about people You're being You're like Linda Evangelista, aren't you? Oh, at least. You can, see the, you can see the resemblance, can't you? But honestly, everybody in there, everyone had a laugh. Everyone was cheering everyone else up. People were getting up and getting water or wheeling people to the toilet, strangers. I, I'm just like... Really, like us British, we're bloody marvellous. We're not the miserable bunch of people. Darlington, Darlington Memorial. You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You Magazine. So you've got this week. You've got um, a different sort of letter, haven't you? You've got a little conversation you have with your friend Angela. Archive, yeah. Oh, I forgot the archive. I forgot the archive. I was isn't going it, forward. Isn't it interesting how soon they forget? Well, it is an archive, so it's not my fault, really, is it? Because it was probably before my time. So I was talking about <coughs> my brother, and it's 50 years since he played the roundhouse with Steve Harley. Have you got any tape or anything of him? I think I have, actually, yeah. He oh, had his I'd own band that. called Ascend. And I was telling you a story, and then I think we got distracted. I was sitting at home once in the 70s with my parents, and Judy Felix was on BBC One, and there was my brother on the telly. Oh, oh did you manage to record it? You didn't have recorders in those days, Nicola. You barely had a television. Really? How long ago? No. Oh, my God. No. I don't remember that. I mean, The only television programme I saw at school, and we had it in, in the ballroom... And they put it on the screen was Bjorn Borg versus John McEnroe. And we all fancied Bjorn Borg. Ew. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. It's Very quiet, Lord, quite silent, no. blonde. No, I'd rather have Michael Jackson zombie. We all fancied Bjorn Borg. No. <sighs> no. Christopher Lee in the thriller video. That's what made it for me. No, I didn't that like voice. that. I didn't like the talking. You didn't. No. Oh, no. No. See, I was brought up. I on didn't Ham like the girl colours. in it with the red, with the red, with the trousers. But I she didn't was like her. beautiful. You were oh, just no, jealous. I didn't like her. I like the girl in um, the way you make me feel. Oh, I love that one. Ow! It doesn't. Does he do ow in the way you make me? Come on. The way you make. No, I don't think he does the ow. The way you make me. Ow! Did you grab, grab your crutch as well at the same time? Why do you want the archive? Well, I, I was already at the archive. I was September there. 2014. <sighs> And this is when my mum died. Oh, sad archive. You're not having a good week with your brother and your mum. No. So on Friday morning, I reached my iPhone. I had a missed call at 11.03pm from my sister. Strange, unlike her to call so late. 
I got up, let the dogs out and rang her. Hi, Liz. Mum had a terrible night. She's been in pain, so the doctor prescribed a painkiller, which made her start vomiting. Daria, who was my mum's living carrier, amazing woman, dialed 999 by mistake instead of 111, and an ambulance turned up. I spent nearly two hours persuading them that mum was not to be carted off to hospital. Daria is Latvian. Because she was so upset, she wasn't talking as clearly as she normally does. So the ambulance woman said... So it's a theme, isn't it, this way, ambulance? It is. We, we have got a theme. So the ambulance woman said, I can't understand you. Your English isn't good enough. We're taking her. That's don't really don't talk rude. to Daria like that. That's so rude. Eventually, after giving my mum intravenous fluids and oxygen, they left reluctantly. My mum is 93, and it states clearly in her notes she's not for resuscitation or extreme measures. Placing her on a stretcher would have frightened her and then killed her. Anyway, I got in my car and I set off on the five-year journey to Essex, picking up my older sister Claire on the way. She kept asking me what CC my engine was. I don't know. How can you not know what CC your engine is? I don't know. It's just the Mercedes. I don't know. Oh, God. So she was really into cars, my sister Claire. I kept thinking we wouldn't get there in time. I parked outside my mum's sad little rented house. I went upstairs. I was always ashamed of my mum's house. It was very comfortable, though, wasn't it? No, it was horrible. This isn't the vicarage, though, is it? The vicarage you grew up in? No, because they moved from the vicarage, which had no central heating. We weren't allowed to light the fire until after the news at six o'clock. Anyway, I took Claire. I picked her up in the Mercedes, not knowing how many, what the engine size was. And I kept thinking we wouldn't get there in time. I parked outside my mum's sad little rented house. I went upstairs... My mum was still breathing, quiet now, with a needle in her arm. Her head felt cool, as her temperature was very low. I was glad she was getting fluids, as when my dad died, all treatment stopped, and I kept saying to the nurses, won't you be thirsty? Why are we starving him? I kind of think my dad was killed, actually. There, there was sort of a thing, wasn't there, where they just redrew everything? I don't agree with that at it all. It was called the Liverpool method or something no, and I they get, stop giving them food and fluids I think that's I terrible. don't understand that I don't I, understand I, I, I thought it was just so cruel I'd never do that to one of my colleagues no I don't like it at 9am the next morning my mum simply stopped breathing her twinkly blue eyes opened slightly I've never seen a dead body before as I'd been too scared to say goodbye to my dad I kept saying to my sister who's a nurse are you sure she's dead? Are you sure? Are you sure? The day I had been dreading and expecting since I was 10 or 11, when my mum, who was crippled with arthritis, started the long saga of hospital treatment and operations, hip replacements, knee replacements, neck stretching, had arrived. How many times had I dashed to this little house in Essex, fearful of what I would find? How many times had I had a call saying my mum had fallen over? She was confined to her bed for the last decade. Dementia meant she no longer knew who I was, although she would show glimpses of clarity. She would leak tears and say she could no longer stand it. I knew she would not want the indignity of being confined to bed, tended to by young girls who turned up three times a day to help Daria change her. Why must my mum endure a natural death 
when her survival is unnatural. <laughs> Minnie! <laughs> the NHS gave her drugs to dissipate blood clots, infected her with MRSA, prolonged her life when she should really have died 20 years ago. She wanted to be with Daddy. I want to be with Daddy, she said. That's heartbreaking. But now I'm not so sure I'd have handled the guilt if we had ended her life sooner. She did smile on Thursday, said Daria, the carer, who sobbed as my mum died. Poor Daria. After my mum died, I drove back to London to the flat I also lose this week. It wasn't a great week, 2014, was it? I lost my car, my flat, my job, my mum. Horrendous. Shocking. She was such a lovely mum. When I set off for my first day at college to start my A-levels, I was sick with nerves. Do you know what my my mum said? What? You don't have to go, darling. You can just stay at home. Oh, lovely mum. My mum booked me out the door. Oh. The day after my mum died, Sunday, I returned to her house to pick up Daria to take her to her next job in Surrey. How she would have got there by public transport. Racked with grief. And she'd been with your mum a long time, Years. Years. Carrying two huge suitcases and numerous shopping bags. I've got no idea. They sent her straight from living with my mum for about six years and caring for her. That's terrible. The next day, she had a new job with a new person. That's awful. And she's got to pack up her life, hasn't she? Yeah. So Not I said, grief. I will come back and I will drive you to Surrey to your next job. Poor Daria. And people think I'm a bitch. I'm not a bitch. Poor Daria. I'd given my older sister Claire £80 to get a taxi home. And by the bare spaces on the walls and on sideboards, it seems she'd filled her taxi with my mum's treasures. I've just been over to David's flat to see how it's coming along for me moving in. He hasn't emptied a space in his wardrobe or put a light in the windowless bathroom. I only have one wheelie bin a week, he said. So why don't you take all this rubbish to the dump, I said. I don't know where the dump is. So last night I told him, it's easy to send me I love you emails and to perform rough sex. I miss you emails and I finished work at 2pm and no one to play with emails. But what would have showed me you care would have been to clean your flat. You have six months. I feel homeless and completely alone. The last person in the world who loved me, who would do anything for me, has gone. It was a real release for her though, wasn't it? Oh, she wanted to go. She wanted to be with that thing. I think it's awful, awful. That you know, she used to see my dad in his uniform standing in her bedroom. She saw my dad standing in her bedroom. And it's no life, is it? It's no life to be with dementia laying in bed. I mean, that's just... Everything for me is about quality of life. You know, when yeah. we're looking at our animals or, you know, why shouldn't we have that for, for people? I just think, I mean, dignity in dying, of you know, fighting for voluntary euthanasia in this country. And to have to go to another country to make that decision or to be at risk of legal prosecution to help your relatives, it's so awful. Your poor mum. I would only say, really, that I thought the relationship between my mum and Daria, who was the carer, was absolutely special. Yeah. 
my mum loved Daria and Daria loved my mum. And that's such a, that's so good for the family, isn't it, to know that you've got someone amazing Daria, you couldn't pay Daria enough. No. She was amazing. And that she was expected to carry her suitcase on public transport on a Sunday to go to her next Terrible. patient. Terrible. Terrible. And she was so exhausted and upset. I got her to her next patient, which is miles away. We got all her stuff out. And she got out of the car. She just fell over. She just fell over because she couldn't take it anymore. She was just lying there on the well, pavement. you need time, don't you? You need time to process. You need time to get together. And, it, and for her, it was moving her whole home, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't just a job. It was her home as well. But people are so mean about carers and they're so mean about care homes and everything. But I couldn't have cared for my mum better than Doria. No. No, absolutely no And sometimes way. You, people wouldn't want you to. I mean, you'd rather a lot of people would rather someone removed do personal things for them than their family because you want some sort of... She's your mum. She probably feels she should be looking after you. That's what mums do. She probably I mean, I never saw my mum in her vest. She wore a Liberty bodice. She didn't wear a bra because she breastfed seven children. The first time I saw my mum in her nighty, she was all crumpled on the bed a few days before my wedding and she was just crying because she didn't know what to wear. That was the oh. first time I'd seen my mum in her underwear. Oh, oh bless her. Because she was so scared of letting me down. That's so sad. That's so sad. I, I really think we need to change the law in this country. I really do. I put it's you not... down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> practice on me. Put me out of my misery. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. like to get in touch then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess so do you want to hear it we've only got one letter this week and we got a letter from belfast and she also sent the letter with a photograph ow wrong prince person. charming prince charming Prince, Prince Charming. Charming, nothing to be scared, scared of. of. Prince. <laughs> um, yes. You know I went to the V&A to sniff Adam's Kings of the World Frontier outfit. I'm never, I don't understand this sniffing business. <gasps> but you get some of his sweat on you. Exactly. Adam, Adam. No, I don't want Adam, no. tag him in, tag no. him in. Tag him in. You anyway, I had a letter from Andrea. To shag. I had can't. a letter from Andrea saying, Squeal, Adamant is on our flight to Belfast ahead of a gig he's doing, and he's sitting two seats away. Yay! And she sent me a picture of Adam with all his war paint on, and she said, Not actual photo from flight. Which is a relief, otherwise, he'd be going everywhere as Prince Charming. She said, we've been in Warsaw for three days. This is the most exciting thing that's happened all week, ever. ever He's extremely skinny, looks a bit yellow. I'm worried about his health. I thought you might appreciate the goth. 
Oh, she's so lovely, Andrea, isn't oh, she? I love Andrea. This is Lizzie's friend who, who came to visit, who is also stunningly beautiful. She looks like Phoebe from Friends. Yeah, she does. She's just And she's beautiful. got this beautiful accent. She is. She's, she's actually one of them horrible bitches that are perfect. She is perfect. Yeah. She is perfect. <laughs> she's perfect. So I sent her a reply saying I went on tour with Adam. He didn't want me to go on tour and he spotted me on the train and he said, what's she doing on my tour? Let's be clear, you wasn't doing the backing singing, was you? No, I just <laughs> I just got on his train. And I said he was so handsome and she said he's still wearing eyeliner and he's still sexy, a leather jacket and a beanie hat. There is nothing sexy about a beanie hat. And so Andrea says, I'm trying to spy on him without looking like I'm spying. <laughs> So I said to her, do Native American whoops. Woo! And my friend Andrea tells me when she was young, she worshipped Toya. I didn't really worship Toya. I don't even know anything Toya sung. What did Toya sing? Um, well, she had rabbits. She sang rabbits? Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run. <laughs> I don't know. And Andrea said Kings of the Wild Frontier was her very first album. Her brother brought it for her. For her birthday, 1982, 1981. But she also loved the monkeys. She says she saw Mickey Dolan's and Peter Talk in concert at Hammersmith a few years ago. Here's some gossip. My friend in LA dated Peter Talk for a while in the 1980s, so he was past his peak. Her friend <laughs> dated Peter Talk. We're six, de- six degrees of separation away from Davy Jones. I can die happy. I'm sorry, past his peak. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.